0: scripture reading uh, which is titus chapter 1 verses 4 to 9
1: to titus my true son in our common faith grace and peace from god this father and christ jesus our savior the reason i left you in crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town, as I direct you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain, Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to a trustworthy messages, message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by doctrine and refute those who oppose it.
0: Cool. thanks, Sandra. That was very <laughs> eloquent. Um, Andrew, you want to come up? And we'll just quickly pray before we get started. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, every time we pray, we say Heavenly Father, um, because we can call you that. So we just um, pray for Andrew and his message. Lord, may it be your words on his lips and not his own. Um, May you speak to him just as another father to another father, um, but for all of us here to, to receive your word. So yeah, we just really open up this time to you, Lord.
2: All right, uh, happy Father's Day in, for those in the room, and happy Father's Day for those to be fathers. Okay, um, hopefully we'll we'll have a lot more by the end of this uh, decade. Um, but uh, yeah, hoping some get married young, pop out a few kids, and we'll celebrate. All right. <laughs> um, so this topic today is going to be uh probably something that not many people are interested in, but something nonetheless biblical, something nonetheless really important to the church, and we're just going to go through it. But before I start, I want to introduce um, what's happening in this particular text with Paul writing to Titus, as we learned last week. So Titus is a pastor, and Paul is his mentor, we know that, and he's given a certain mission. And so I remember when I was at ANZ, I was given like this really important task. I was like this, just came out of the grad program fresh, you know, like really wanting to impress my bosses, all that kind of stuff, as all young employees do. And I remember they gave me this really (laughs) daunting task. They asked me to lead a project with uh, three others um, under my supervision, and I had to collect all this data and talk to all these really important people with really important titles, to get data for our regulator. So uh, our regulator is a is a plate, is plate an organization called APRA, and they regulate the banks, right? So they make sure the banks don't do anything dodgy. And so I had to coordinate this, this project for this particular audit of our division, right? And it was actually really, really important. So I'm super, super nervous, right? I'm like, a, no experience with the regulator, no experience in leading teams, whatever it may be. But nonetheless, um, God gave me that task, and I had to go do it. So there's a sense of adrenaline, a sense of, you know, rush as you do a mission you made like the amazing race for instance if you've been on one before that sense of rush to that challenge rush to the next next thing and so what paul does here in this particular text he says firstly says hello to titus Um, but secondly he writes this important mission that is given to this young pastor To Titus, my true son in the common faith, grace and peace from God the Father Christ Jesus, our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete, there's a reason, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town. So, Crete, anyone know where Crete is? If you don't, it's actually somewhere I'd love to go someday. The Greek islands, near there, right? So, Crete is the largest island uh, in Greece, south of Greece, and this is exactly where he's talking about, that particular place, okay? And the reason why he has to appoint elders in every town is not because he planted churches there, but in Acts 2 and Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down and thousands and thousands and thousands start believing, people started leaving that area back to their hometown, and some of that hometown is in Crete. So Paul, you know, and, and, and Titus would have gone to that island and be like, wow, there are actually Christians here needing guidance, needing leadership, right? Just like our church, we have elders, we have deacons, we have leaders here that help us run the church. And there are certain qualities within those leaders that we want to learn today that's important for you and I. And I'm not sure if you've ever worked in a project or a team that didn't have a leader, Sometimes it works out okay. Most of the time, when there's no leader or a point person, or at least a group of leaders, what happens that project actually falls through, right? So leadership is actually super important, not just in the church, but in your organization, in your school, in your classrooms, in your home. And we're going to deep dive on that today. Yes, I'm going to pray and get into this particular and into this particular sermon, all right? Give um, look at the qualities of what elders are required, Lord. Would you speak to us not only for leadership in the church but leadership in the home, the school, universities, wherever our sphere of influence is. All right. We'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. When you think of a leader, what do you think of? Just shout at me any adjectives, what would you think of? Would they be good looking? That might start, right? You know, the popular girl in school, the popular guy in school, really good looking, right? Gets voted, you know, house captain, class captain. Although they have to be good communicators. Someone who has the gift of the gab. Right, charismatic, as they say it. Well, they have to be really tall? No, you tell me. Any, any takers? I googled a leader" um, just on Google. Right, if you've got a question, ask Google. He'll give you the answers. Right. So, first thing I do in researching this sermon: what makes a good leader? And so this magazine called Forbes magazine, you may have heard it before, it's a very influential magazine in the world, in a worldly sense, and you know, it's all to do with business, economics, and you know, uh, how to run a business, all that kind of stuff. And they write eight key attributes of what makes a great leader in the world today. I'm gonna read them out to you, all right? Ready? Number one, a good leader must have enthusiasm, right? Nothing worse than your class captain not wanting to be their class captain. Nothing worse than your boss at at work not wanting to be your boss at work. They've got to come to work with some form of motivation and enthusiasm, right? Second one is this, integrity. That's an easy one, right? Don't want to work for a fraud boss or something, a bad person. Number three is communication skills. They've got to have some kind of talent, right? Or else no one will understand them. Number four, loyalty. That's a good one. They've got to be loyal. Number five, uh, it's actually... Right here ah. Number five, they've got to be decisive. Ever worked for a boss or someone that like, just can't make a decision? Yes, they need to be decisive, right? Then number six, they need to have managerial competence. They need to learn how to manage people, how to you know talk to people, how to manage, how to get things done. They need to empower others, so they delegate well, and they need to be charismatic, right? They have to be able to talk, right? These are the eight key things that makes a leader, right, the most important thing. You know the article, got lots of likes, a lot of good comments, et cetera, et cetera, right? Let me tell you, when it comes to the Bible and what's expected of myself, as well as Christian leaders, you'll find rarely any of those attributes in the Bible. Rarely any of them. Yeah, obviously integrity, you know. But we want to deep dive as to how countercultural and how unexpected the qualities of a pastor will be, the qualities of an elder will be, and the qualities of what we would think would make a good leader in this particular context, right? And I can guarantee you it's not many of those today, all right? And we're going to go into some. Leadership at home as well. So first and foremost, let's go into the Word of God. There's 17 characteristics, okay? And we start off with this. So instead of eight attributes, 17 characteristics for you to take home. Number one, an elder, which was, you know, at that back then is synonymous with pastor or overseer or bishop. My title, and we've got a few elders in our church too, including Pastor Colin um, and Uncle Jim and previously Eden Law, are to be blameless. Blameless, okay, wow. That's a pretty tough, tough standard to reach, right? Um, Let me go deeper into this. They're meant to be above reproach. It's kind of a strange word, but let me say this without accusation, okay? Okay. So, when you are thinking about hiring a pastor or you're voting in an elder, you need to think about this key attribute they're blameless. So, in other words, uh, a good translation is not marred by disgrace, right? So, obviously, it's impossible to be perfect. Anyone perfect here? Everyone's going to put their hand down, right? But they're not marred by disgrace. What does that actually mean? There's no controversy, there's no drama. You know, there's no, uh, you know, if you've, you probably wouldn't want to vote for a politician in this particular area because there's so much drama surrounding a lot of their lives, right? You're not marred by such disgrace. For instance, adultery, divorce, sexual misconduct, fraud, cheating, scandals, right? If there is a history of a pastor who has that, hopefully that was before he was Christian. But if a pastor or an elder come in here or a deacon, whatever it is, have that type of history, that's a red, red flag, thank you, (laughs) had a brain freeze, red flag, thank you, Eden, I'm glad someone's paying attention, so that's the first thing, their history and their conduct cannot be accused of something that's going to disgrace God's name, right, including myself, but that doesn't mean we're perfect, we're far from it and you guys know I'm definitely not perfect, (laughs) All right, here we go. This is really important. You see how the, all the worldly attributes would tell you all these really important you know, key things for CEOs and managers in the workplace, right? But look at this. One is blameless, without accusation, right? How many CEOs do you know that are divorced? How many, how many of your bosses are, you know, don't go home much, right? How many of your bosses have scandals? Right? Heaps and heaps and heaps, right? The, the biblical foundations for what it makes an elder and a pastor are countercultural, and this is another attribute that I'm going to talk about next, which is related to Father's Day, funny enough. An elder is not only blameless, he must be faithful to his wife, and it reads on, "And a man whose children believe and are not open to charge of being wild and disobedient." OK. You think about this. When you're voting in your school captain or you're voting in for a politician, do you assess how they treat their family? Do you assess or even think about, are they a good husband? Are they a good dad? Here's the thing. If I'm called to lead the church as a pastor or if another pastor comes here an elder, a number one, number two criteria here is they have to lead well at home. They have to be a present dad they have to encourage their children to read the bible right i know some of you are not even close to being dads right and maybe your model on a father is good but maybe your model as a father is not so good regardless there is an importance of leading at home Wow, is that our actual criteria for what it takes to be a leader? Yes, it is. And the world will tell you it's not important, but I can guarantee you in this room, in this church, it is 10 times more important to lead well at home than it is to lead at the church. I don't care. Like, if I'm not leading at home, I should fire myself. It is that simple. And I know there's a lot of teenagers here, a lot of young adults, you know, maybe thinking about getting married one day, or even from the female side, right? This is the type of man you want to look for. Not the hottest, not the most well-spoken, not the one who's, you know, going to drive that nice car for you to go to the prom. This is the man that you want to look for because he's going to treat you well. He ain't going to hit you around. He ain't going to use you for, you know, sex. This is the man you want to take home to meet your parents. So not only this is a criteria for the church, this should be the criteria that you look for. And young men, what are you becoming? Are you becoming that man that women actually want to date? Or are you becoming one of those people, typical teenagers at home? No sense of responsibility, no sense of direction. Who are you becoming? Because this is the example it sets for all of us. Every Christian should aspire to be like this, or marry someone like this. It starts in the home. We have a culture in this church, it's gonna sting a little. Get ready. It's what I call passive leadership at home, passive leadership from men in particular. We're blessed in this church to have more men than women know how rare that is at a church very rare but we have a culture of passive leadership at home what does that mean it means that men do not take the responsibility of leading a family and they leave it to no one or to their wife God calls men in particular a certain responsibility at home, to firstly be faithful to their wife, to be loyal, for sure, but also to encourage their wife to read the Word of God, to pray for them, to disciple their children, right? I pray for my family almost every day, and I'm this is a standard I hold myself to, right? Obviously, I'm not proven yet. I still only got a young family. You'll wait 20 years and see how I turn out, right? But I'm going to strive as a center of my life is Jesus, and then it is at home. That's my goal. I'll fall short of that goal for sure, but I'll strive for it as hard as I can, right? I'll pray for my wife continually. I'll pray for God to protect our marriage continually, I'll pray for my children continually. When they're old enough, I pray, that I, you know, spend time with them explaining the Word of God. Here's a statistic for you. Oh, sorry, before I get there, it says faithful to his wife, yes. So doesn't watch pornography, doesn't cheat on his wife, doesn't flirt with other girls while being married. He's committed. And when he falls short of that, he confesses that, right? You all know my history. You all know I have to confess some things, right? It goes on to say this. A man whose children believe are not open to charge of being wild or disobedient. So the children, they're not chaotic. They're not drama-filled. They're not wild. Because... They love their dad. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> I'm guessing <laughs> you know, my children are going to be a little bit wild and just be time. But it's, it's showing that there's not chaos at home. There's not just all this drama all the time. And drama does happen for sure, right? But there's a level of respect that you have with each other, all kind of stuff. And there's a sense of calmness and peace, right? I know some of you here today don't have the best father figure. But God is not done. There is a plan for you in that too. I didn't have the greatest father figure. I think maybe I turned out half okay. Yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Here's the statistic, okay? This is actually super scary. Super scary. The reason why God commands every pastor and every elder and every church leader to lead at home because the consequences of not leading at home are dire. They are dire. I'm going to read this out. Not so much in this church, but outside this church, and sometimes even in the church world, one in six kids in Australia live in a fatherless home. That means the father's totally absent presently, okay? Let it be through divorce, fled, single parents, right? I'm from a fatherless home, okay? One in six. In America, way more than that. And that doesn't mean because your dad's in the house means they're actually parenting. Doesn't mean that, right? means they're absent here but i can guarantee you that statistics even increases more when you have uh, men who actually don't parent who actually don't lead the family they could be there but actually not there you know what i'm saying they're not present emotionally for you they don't parent you they don't teach you they don't love you they don't guide you they don't spend quality time with you these standards are high and without that I'm going to tell you what happens. All right. True statistics, this is recent, okay? Actually, recent. In a fatherless home, let it be absent, let present, like no father, or just a a father who is there but not there. This is what happens. Children will typically lower educational performance at school, right? So young men, this is for you guys, teenagers, right? If you're aspiring to have family, you gotta be there. You gotta be men, not boys. So what happens, this is a Melbourne University study, 212 kids' children found that that fathers, even more than mothers, had a major beneficial influence on their children in their first year of school. The study found that kids with regular father involvement were more cooperative, self reliant in school than kids who did not have father involvement. The more regular involvement the father has with the child, the study's author said, the better the child does in her first year of school. All right. Fatherlessness increases crime. Here's another statistic. In Australia, a recent book noted the connection between broken families and crime. In discussing a rising crime rate in Western Australia, the book reported that family breakdown in the form of divorce and separation is the main cause of crime wave. Okay. Fivaliveness increases drug abuse and addiction. Here's another statistic for you. New Zealand study of nearly 1,000 children observed over a period of 15 years found that children who watched their parents separate are more likely to use illegal drugs than parents who did not. Here's another one. Fatherlessness increases sexual problems and promiscuity. Studies from different cultures have found that girls raised without fathers are more likely to be sexual active and to start sexual activity early. Father-deprived girls show promiscuity, sexual interest, derogation of masculinity and males and poor ability to maintain sexual and emotional adjustment with one male. Right. The list goes on. Fatherless increases physical and mental health problems. And I won't read the statistics, but you get the point you get the points. How many of you when you're voting for school captain or president has this as a criteria? I dare say none. When you're voting for an elder or a pastor at this church, you wanna ask a question. How is their family life? Are they married? Do they live well at home? Does their wife respect them? Young women, this is what you look for in a man. Young men, this is what you aspire to be. And these are the other attributes and qualities that all men and all women look for and all men need to be, right? We don't want to be a church that is passively leading at home. And some, we've actually got a lot of good dads here, okay? We do. A lot of presence fathers. But most importantly, I think when it comes to the church, you have to not only be present, you have to lead spiritually. Okay? That is a, a criteria. You have to take up that responsibility and not delegate it to you, the wife or, you know, or, or just let it be, right? Leadership requires you to take charge and take responsibility, and that is the goal. Alright. So now Elder has to be blameless, has to lead at home, has to be faithful to his wife. Since he's an overseer and manages God's household, he must also be blameless. And these are other attributes that he has. Not only leading at home, these are other things he must have in him. And young women, look for this. He is not overbearing. So, in other words, he's not self willed. um, He's not dominant. He's not uh, like difficult to lead, although sometimes I can be. Ask Pastor Colin, poor guy. But he doesn't have this spirit that is always like rebellious. He doesn't have this spirit that's hard to deal with. He doesn't have this spirit that is overbearing and dominant, okay? He's gentle, but yet can be stern when he needs to be. Secondly, he's not quick to temper. So, I admit that I have sometimes when I get angry, I have a knee-jerk reaction. We all do, right? When something triggers us or something makes us upset. So, this is not referring to maybe having a quick temper at some times, right? This is referring to having underneath all the Instagram posts, all that smiles you come to church with, all that kind of stuff, right? An angry spirit. This is constantly angry at the world. It's constantly negative at the world, Right? no, no, no. As a pastor, as an elder, as a, even as a Christian leader, or a father at home, that is not a quality that you want. You know those people that you have to walk around eggshells around because they're always so angry and grumpy, you know, you don't know why? No, 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 right? Not given to drunkenness, easy one, right? Not addicted to wine, that's probably not a problem for our church, but you don't want a man either, and you don't want to be a man addicted to wine. You don't want to go home, um, you know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're the wife with, you know, a, a man who drinks. You just don't. Trust me, you don't. I've seen it. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. And it, not only drunkenness, it's addiction, right? Drugs, other chemicals, entertainment, whatever it may be, right? The man has to be not given to drunkenness or pleasure, not violent. Um, So this has two connotations. Obviously, you don't want a man who's violent, right? Although that's definitely a, a, a cultural issue these days, right? But not only violent physically, but violent with their words. It's not only physical abuse, but verbal abuse, right? So you want a man, or you want to be a man, that's going to treat a woman with respect, right? You ain't going to yell and call their wife names. And as women, you don't want to be treated that way either, right? The biblical man leads at home, and these are the foundations. Next one is this: not pursuing dishonest gain. So you know someone who always steals or tries to make a quick buck, cheat tax, whatever it may be. You want a man who's honest. The list goes on, 17 attributes, okay, I think we're halfway there. I'll continue. So Paul writes these are things he shouldn't be, right? In the whole list. Not dishonest, not angry spirit, not violent, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, not drunkard. This is what they should be. All right, this is what they should be. Let's read he must be hospitable. What does it mean for someone to be hospitable? Doesn't mean you need to roll out the red carpet every time someone walks into church. Doesn't mean you have to prepare, you know, a thousand buns or whatever for, for guests to come over, right? Typically, what hospitable means is that you are able to welcome anyone of any class of any gender when they come in. Doesn't matter who it is, drug addict prostitute, CEO, politician, the normal Joe Blow, right? Middle class, average person like us. They will welcome anyone into the home. They will welcome anyone into the church. This is what it means to be hospitable. Yeah, there's different levels of hospitality, right? Do You make them feel welcome. Do you make them tea? Make them coffee? Do you offer them a home to stay? You know, hospitality back in that day was not so much like, going to a hotel and, you know, all kind of stuff. It was actually bring people to your house because there's nowhere else to stay. That was hospitality. Now we're able to welcome the sinner, uh, 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 the prostitute, the tax collector, the politician, the normal person, into their home, give them a bed to stay. That was hospitality, right? So when you look at a pastor looking to vote for an elder, are they hospitable? Are they friendly with all types, not just themselves next one is this one who loves what is good and i think this is a pretty simple one they love the lord they just love to do good things because god has done good things to them right let me ask you this question how many of you can actually tell who loves the lord and who doesn't can you discern a loving and devoted spirit to God? Because if you can't, who are you going to marry? Or who are you going to vote for in the next election? We are lovely people here at this church. If I were to say something, we're too kind, okay? <laughs> if that is possibly a charge, Right? We have to be able to tell if someone has devotion to the Lord or not. Because when people who aren't devoted to the Lord lead at home or lead in the church, more than likely you'll date a non Christian, right? More than likely, you're going to do more harm to the church than good. Although you might be a good person, if you cannot see the spiritual things that need to happen at this church, you may end up destroying it. Next one is this. He's self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Whew, okay. Self-controlled, very simple one, right? He has a sober mind in some other translations. He's sensible, who thinks clearly, who thinks with clarity, who is disciplined with his life, the way he leads his life. Devoted to the Lord in quiet time, you know, not chasing after entertainment and pleasure all the time, right? Very simple, self-controlled and disciplined, right? Thinks clearly. Who is upright, which means just. Um, someone who seeks fairness, right? So if you want in a leader, you know, you want a leader who shows favoritism to their little pet that they love the most, right? You want him to be fair, just. One person gets one, other person gets one. fair hand. Holy and disciplined, right? Very similar to self-control, um, but this one's control over emotions, okay? So you, have you met someone who flies off the rails real fast? Yeah. Not control over their emotions. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I flow off <laughs> out of control, you know? In even worship today, I'm tearing up, you know? Obviously, I have emotions, right? But if there are life is and you look at a guy or you look at a girl who lacks control over their emotions consistently that's a red lump, right we all do don't get me wrong but this is a consistent habit okay holy (sighs) what does holy mean it means to be set apart for the lord is the person you're married to set apart for the lord is the deacon or elder that you're voting for set apart for the Lord? Are you set apart for the Lord? Because if you are, you will take your holiness seriously. You will take your sin seriously. That's what it means to be holy. Set apart different From every person in your high school in your school in your workplace that's not a christian you are set apart this is the criteria for myself that i always fall short of but hopefully not on a consistent basis hopefully not marred by disgrace right this is something we all need to aim for in particular young men we're living in a generation where men don't like adulting yeah you don't want to grow up you want to be peter pan you don't want to take your faith seriously. This is the generation that we are raising. Last but not least, probably more in line with a pastor and elder, but I actually think this is really important for men at home. And don't, I know I'm talking a lot of men here today, right? There will be some passages on women later, which I will address as well, all right? Number nine, are we there yet? All right. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So any pastor, any elder must have sound doctrine, right? Must believe the message of the Bible and be convinced that it has the power to change the world. Be convinced that it is from God. Be convinced that he's able to teach, that he's able to, to, to talk about theology, talk about the Bible, how to read. These are all really important things for elders, But every man. Especially a Christian should aim for this, right? Not asking you to aim to be a pastor. You want to aim to understand the Word of God, so you could teach your children the Word of God. You want to aim to have the Word of God meditating in your heart, in your mind, all the time. And I know that's a huge, huge bar, right? I get it. But how can you tell your children how to live? the Christian way, if you don't understand the Word of God yourself, how can we disciple them? We can't. We just can't. He is to teach others to do the same. Also, he used to be taught under authority. So, two things here. Firstly, I've been taught. I continue to be taught. I want to be a learner. I want to continue to learn from others, right? Young, old, whoever. Not only that, I'm under authority, right? So I'm not, have this rebellious spirit, Pastor Collins, my boss, I report to the elders, right now there's only two elders. But if they tell me, Andrew, you know, you're not doing this, you're not applying these things to your life in some way, shape, or form, I'm sure I react in a defensive way, and then hopefully I'll think about it and be like, yeah, you're right, okay? So we have a submissive spirit towards discipline and rebuke as well. Okay? And not only that, hopefully through modeling this, we let others do the same. Okay? This is what it takes to be a Christian leader. It is countercultural. It is countercultural. But I'm setting the bar high because scripture sets the bar high. We will fall short, but better to aim high than not aim at all. So, young woman, this is what you look for. Young men, this is what we are meant to be. So you look at that list in Forbes magazine. Enthusiasm. Charisma. Great communication skills. How many of those skills? Attributes. Not many, right? Do not look for a man or a woman with the same eyes as the world. Look at it through the lens of the Bible. That will make all the difference. Trust me. I've seen the consequences of marrying someone who's not Christian or or who is far from God, who is Christian, but young in their faith, whatever it may I've seen the consequences of it, right? And I'm sure there are some aunties, whoever within our church who can describe to you the difficulties of it. And that doesn't mean God can't redeem it. He can. But I've seen the challenges in real life of what it looks to choose the wrong partner to marry. I leave with three application questions. You can't read that. <laughs> That's okay, sorry. <laughs> We're to- I'm talking about certain, I guess, people in certain areas. Some people are doing this fine. Some people aren't. Let's just read, right? The stagnant Christian. So the, I guess they don't want to take responsibility of actually, you know, devoting time to the Lord, of spending time with Him, of doing church activities or serving, right? They're just stagnant. Don't grow in their faith. Peter Pan Christian, right? Have you lost your way a bit? Maybe life's been distracting. Maybe you've been focused on other things. That's okay. We all get there. I've been in those seasons before too, right? But when we read the word of God, especially the qualifications of an elder, does that convict your soul to be like, hey, I'm falling short of these things. Maybe I need to make a few changes to begin to grow in my faith again, right? Are you stagnant? Number two is this. Are you a discerning Christian? Church leadership is actually super important. One bad hire as a pastor can actually set you back five, ten years. One bad hiring on your combined board can set you back a long time too. Trust me. Are you able to discern the qualities of someone's spiritual heart or not? Even for your own children for that matter or your friends or who you want to date. Ask God to give you wisdom. Ask Him to give you wisdom. And you'll be able I used to be the most undiscerning person ever. Trust me. I was like, oh my gosh. I was so naive, so ignorant of so many things. I asked God, help me discern. Help me discern. Do you lack discernment? And last but not least, and I think the most important here today, the spiritual father. Are you leading at home spiritually or not? Do you pray for your wife that she may Glorify God in all that she does, that she may love the Lord, that she would read her the word, or vice versa? Do you take that responsibility serious, or have you been passive with that? Because I can guarantee you, any woman with any Christian sense about her, right, would not date someone with this, this, not this quality, right? That would frustrate her, it would actually frustrate her. You have to lead At home. It's not only just being a present father, but being a spiritual father. Heavy words today. I hope this helps. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, would we be a church that does not that it aren't Peter Pan Christians, Lord, who don't delegate leadership at home, who don't grow spiritually, Lord God, who keep the same, 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 same. But I pray that everyone here would aspire to the qualities of an elder, those in particular leadership at home. Let it be a young woman or a young man or I just really pray that we would see things through the spiritual eyes, not worldly eyes. That will be our discern, is this man or woman worthy to date? Because by dating the wrong person, Lord God, I've seen the consequences of that. I've seen the consequences not leading well at home. I ask for myself, as well as everyone here to God, that you give us deep conviction to be spiritual men and women of God, worthy of respect, worthy of to be called elders as well. I pray that this will be the standard of our hearts, not just a, a Bible reading plan to to, to 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 read academically and not implement, Lord God. May you convict us all today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.